Hello and welcome to Change the Conversation, a podcast from Dara & Co, featuring frank conversations and fresh perspectives that can help you to connect, communicate and grow. I'm your host, Elaine Burke, the Editor-in-Chief of Dara & Co, and today we are speaking with Davina Clements, a conflict coach and mediation specialist. Thanks so much for joining us, Davina. It's great to have you here today. Thank you for having me, Elaine. And I mean, what an interesting role that you have. Explain to me and, and to everyone listening what exactly a conflict coach and mediate, mediation specialist is and what you do. So uh, conflict coaching is working with individuals to help them manage conflict. Now, that conflict could be within a relationship within family, maybe within the workplace. Um, I did one recently where I was working with a client and was the person who lived in the house with her. So it can be all sorts of different scenarios. It's really anywhere where you feel there's conflict and where you feel that it has become an unmanageable and that you need time out to talk to someone. Just to really talk about it, get an understanding of what the situation is yourself um, start to look at what the different perspectives are around that and to help you to think about what strategies or techniques can I put in place here to manage this um, so that you feel that you're also becoming a better communicator um, and being able to resolve conflict. Um, sometimes people think, well, if I withdraw from it, um, it'll go away, but generally it doesn't go away. It comes back at, an, at a later time. So it's better to develop those skills to be more assertive um, and have those calm conversations with people and to be able to think about how you can improve your communication for the future as well if other conflict situations arise. The mediation is around bringing people together um, and we need the willingness of both people to be involved in that and they want to be able to negotiate. Um, and other words we use are compromise as well. So we're... We're getting a deeper understanding and we're looking at what the thoughts, needs and the feelings of each of those people are. Getting more understanding around it, because what we find is there's a lot of miscommunication and misunderstanding. So it's about listening to each other, about slowing the conversations down um, where people feel that they've been heard. And then they're in a a place where they can move forward and be future focused and start to have discussions around what is it that we can do to change this? Um, what agreements can we get? And some of those agreements can be pretty basic. Um, people are kind of starting from scratch sometimes with their communication. Um, and as they do that, they build up trust with each other. Um, and they're able to carry through with those agreements. And everyone benefits from it. If it's um, a couple that have separated, their children benefit so much when they've got parents who are working together for them and the children can see that mum and dad are there for us. If it's within family dynamics, um, again, you know, it, it just resolves issues. People are able to have good family relationships and be able to move on in that way that they're working together rather than working against each other. I mean, it's obviously an essential life skill. I can't think of any relationship, even a good and healthy one, that won't have some kind of conflict at some point that people need to deal with. But do you find that it is something that maybe people are generally lacking as a skill or that they don't really think about really as something to work on? Yeah, I probably a lot of people don't think about it um, and they go, they communicate really from the environment that they were brought up in themselves Elaine. Um, so we we take on uh, ways of communicating that are maybe not healthy. 
at times. And so it is good for people to consider what is it that I can change here? Um, how can I educate myself around it? Um, and the conflict coaching will cover that as well and how we learn more about how we communicate our communication styles, but also looking at what our conflict styles are. And you know, the conflict style that we're all aiming to work towards is the partnering style where we're working together with the other person and um, where we feel that we're treated in fairness and as an equal. And we both get the opportunity to um, discuss and reach agreements together. So are there different types of conflict that you find in relationships? Do, do you kind of have, have categories for them that you can kind of label them and then dissect that and work with that? Yeah, yeah. So if you take, for example, someone has a conflict style of being compelling and they want um, what what it is that they feel should be, be um, agreed in that situation. So they will compel the other person. They will be very strong in their, their thoughts and feelings, um, very black and white, and uh, they don't want to listen to the other person. Now, for example, if the other person's conflict style is withdrawal because the other person is so strong in their thoughts and views, they'll tend to withdraw. And maybe that is um, removing themselves from the conversation. Other conflict styles are accommodate. So you can accommodate that other person. So you can see that those communication styles or the conflict styles, they're not healthy and that it's not two people coming together to um, to make agreements. Um, so we want people to move towards how they compromise with each other and um, ultimately work towards that partnering style. And is there a way if you have a relationship, whether it's a relationship with a partner or maybe with someone at work or uh, someone in your family uh, to kind of know yourself? When is the point that it might need, you know, professional help from someone like yourself as opposed to it's, you know, it's, you know, a normal kind of dispute and a little argument. Like what is the point, do you think, where someone should start seeking Mm -hmm. assistance or some kind of uh, work that they can do themselves to get them out of this situation? When, when people start to find that um, they're, they're in conflict um, and it becomes a pattern. So they have um, phases where there's high conflict, maybe things resolve for a while, but they're moving in that pattern of it always coming back and always trying to deal with it in that same conflictual way. Um, and they're feeling that they're not getting any resolution around that. And what you tend to find is that the relationship starts to break down, it becomes fractured. Um, you're getting a lack of trust as well between between both people um, and then they're not as emotionally available to each other because they're they're caught up in the emotion of the the conflict so really that's when people need to think about is it um, useful for us to get a like a third party here to bring a coach in to bring a mediator in to help us understand what's going on for us here um, to help us think to, actually to help us listen to each other um, because what you find in conflict that people are interrupting each other they're shouting over each other and they're not allowing that space because they're so positioned in their own thoughts that they just want to get that over um, and they're not actually listening to the other person. So coming into mediation helps people to have that safe environment where they are listened and heard um, but the other person also gets listened to and they get heard also um, and that's where we're slowing the the listening down. We talk about active listening that we're actually listening to each other because if you think about listening um, a lot of people listen just to respond um, other people are distracted so they're not really given their focus to what the other person is saying um, other people are maybe listening because they're evaluating 
and they're giving their view on it. So again, they're not really listening. So we want people to go deeper into listening to what the other person's thoughts are, how they're feeling about it, and what is it that they need from the conversation as well. So it's when you get to that deeper level of listening that both people feel valued, that they feel listened to. And it's from that basis then that you can start to think about, well, what is it that we need to do here? What agreements do we need to reach? How can we move our way through this? And as I said earlier, some of those agreements are so basic. But there are things like, um, how do we communicate with each other? What's the best way to do that? Do we talk to each other? Do we um, text each other? Do we email each other? Um, Let's find a safe environment for us to actually have those conversations. Let's not have them in front of family or in front of children, that we just allow things to blow up. But having um, a plan in place for we know that we need to have a conversation that is um, going to be difficult for us. So let's plan to make it as manageable as possible and let's keep on the focus on the issue as well. Because what we find is when people um, let their emotions get involved, then they start to um, blame the other person. And that's where a lot of communication breaks down because they've moved away from the issue, they're starting to focus on the other person and starting to blame them. And then they go off and talk to their family and friends about how terrible that person is. And likewise, they might be doing the same. So you can see how there's that progression of conflict just becoming worse and worse for people. So if we can remove that and help them to have those conversations and how they... if, if they're having that conversation, it does become difficult. It's them agreeing, when do we stop this before we start becoming derogatory towards each other? And let's get a time to come back and have that conversation when our emotions have um, drained, um, when we've been able to set our emotions aside and we're thinking with our head again and we're able to enter into those conversations where we are fair, where we are partnering with each other. And we want to say what we feel but you're also listening to the other person um, so it is about that calm respectful environment that you create it's uh, so interesting the way you're framing conflict it's kind of making me realize conflict isn't this thing that happens in in a moment in an instant in one interaction it's actually something that's kind of could be long term it could be festering when you're having conversations with other people about that person that you're in conflict mm-hmm. with it could be something that's simmering under the surface and then brought up in that conflict situation I don't think I've thought about it that way myself it's it's really interesting Mm -hmm. and talking about the active listening listening side of things um, I'm very conscious of it now that I'm in an interview with you and Uh I'm like what is the practice of active listening and I'm sure it's something that it will take a long time to properly train someone in when, when you're doing the coaching but what are some things that we should be aware of to make us better listeners because communication sometimes we forget that that's a huge part of it is the listening side it is yes yeah um and our lives are busy Elaine and um, you know, we're trying to have these conversations you know as we as we go through our daily life and whatnot but what we need to realize is if there's a conversation that we feel maybe we aren't going to dis- uh, aren't going to agree on but we need to find a safe space or a safe environment to do that let's put time aside let's not have it in an environment that's not conducive to us let's say we'll go to a neutral venue maybe we'll go to a cafe sometimes people find if they're out in that environment that even having people around them helps them manage their communication as well um or um they may you know go to one house or the other um so it's getting that environment that's going to support the conversation um and that's something that people don't think about um but this is what we need to do 
it's about nearly setting boundaries for ourselves. This is how we're going to have our, com- our conversation. We'll put these boundaries around so we know that when the two of us enter into it, that we're going to feel safe. We're going to be able to be open and honest and um, have say how we actually feel rather than feeling that we need to listen to the other person and um, accommodate them and what they're saying. So it is about um, making sure that we slow our conversations down also. Um, so that is, for example, you listening to me and not responding right away, but taking some time just to process that and get your thoughts um, in order that you know what it is that you want to say back to me. Um, and that is so important because so many times we rush to get answers. And it, it really is about that act of listening and slowing down and the eye contact or body posture, making sure that we're really present in the conversation, that we're really engaged and that there's no other distractions there. It's all very two way as well. Obviously, I'm just thinking of in my own case, I am the kind of person I'm probably not very forgiving with silence because I'm, I'm very chatterboxy and I speak quickly and I would notice that if my partner is slow to respond to something, I can be quite like. Uh-huh. Are you even are you going to answer that question or yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm realizing now I should be giving space there yeah. because he's doing a responsible thing and processing the information and having a good thought about it. And I'm not allowing that. So it's it's just really fascinating to have this conversation yeah. with you. And I'm thinking but that um, Elaine goes back to our communication styles. And you know, this is something that everyone should find out about themselves. What's my communication style? What's your communication style? Um, some people are visual and if someone's telling them information, they're saying, show me it. Show me how to do it because they're visual. Other people are, for example, auditory and they want to hear and they, they like the detail. So, for example, if you have someone who's auditory and they're telling you something in such detail and someone who's visual is saying, I don't need all, all that detail, just show me how to do that. Um, so you can see that when you understand the other person's um, communication um, style, then it helps you to feel, well, they're not just doing that to annoy me. That's them. And I have to appreciate that in them. And it takes away that feeling that um, communication is there to annoy the other person. And I, I can imagine the majority of people do not want to be in conflict with anyone else. It's not a pleasant experience to go through. And even though when you're on maybe the other side of it and it's you feel that the other person is the person causing the conflict, I'm sure they don't want to be in conflict with you either. Um, so when you're when you're talking about kind of managing it, so kind of approaching what you think is going to be a situation that will be combative, maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. choosing the environment, understanding that person's communication. So these are all things that you can do to help rather than avoid it, because avoiding the conflict may actually lead to bigger problems if it's something that you have to deal yeah. with. Uh-huh. But these are things that you can do, steps that you can take if you know you're going to be entering into a difficult conversation with someone that you maybe have a think about where that's going to take place, mm-hmm. how you're going to communicate. Will it be in person, on a Zoom call, in a cafe, or some, like trying to pick the environment that works for both of you? Is, yeah. is that the right way to kind of yeah. think through these things? Yeah. And, you know, I talked about the conflict coaching and the mediation, the conflict coaching 
is supporting a person where maybe the other person that they're in conflict with isn't willing to come into mediation. So they want to, to um, get some techniques and some kind of strategies in place for how they manage it. Um, but it's also given them an opportunity to look at their own behaviours. And is there anything within their own behaviours that they can change? Again, we're going back to the willingness of the people who want to change the, the, their communication styles or their conflict styles as well. Uh, sorry, Elaine. Um, and uh, the mediation is where both people need to be willing to come into that environment um, be willing to listen to each other. Um, because if you have someone who's very positioned and they don't want to listen and, you know, they're in that conflict style of compelling and, you know, they they believe that they're right and they're very positioned within mediation, we can spend time in those conversations to find what's behind their position. You know, what are their needs? What are their interests in, in the, having the conversation around the issue? Um, and what is it that they want from it? Um, so once you start to break some of that down and just go a bit deeper around some of those conversations, that's where people start to understand, I've reached my position because I felt kind of pushed into this, but these are the things that I really want underneath it all. Um, and that's where you get the openness and honesty in the conversations where people are able to say, yes, this is what we want to work towards. Um, we want to resolve this. We don't want to be in this conflict. Um, and, you know, how do you give... Um, that conflict, um, the opportunity to grow or else you, you remove yourself from it. Um, and that's the key for people, that you don't continue in conflict, but you, you start to put boundaries in place um, that, uh, people, that, that people say that it takes two people to be in a conflict, and that is so true. Um, and if one person stops um, feeding into that conflict, that's where they put their own boundaries in place. That's where they um, start to think about, well, I'm going to speak to this person the way that I would like them to speak to me and behave towards me. So in a way, they're kind of um, modelling good communication and good behaviours. Um, so that's a situation where we're personally taking responsibility for how we communicate to other people um, that we're not just um, saying back to them and um, things that are maybe hurtful or derogatory and uh, but you're actually saying this is the way I'm going to speak to them I'm going to be polite to them I'm going to thank them um, for their contribution so that they start to realise this person's not going to enter into conflict with me but they want to have a calm and respectful conversation here um, and as you start to do that that's where trust start to build, starts to build up but it's also where you're you're hoping that the other person will be able to make that movement with you. Yeah, because I imagine it is very challenging. You know, you're in a conflict with someone and it's probably because, you know, of your behaviour is being triggered by things that they do as much as things that they do yeah. um, impacting on you. So, like, it probably takes a lot of practice. Like, you're not going to get it right first try. I yeah. imagine you probably are going to have a few conversations before you manage to yes. maybe hold your own temper and... Yes. Um, bring forward the techniques that you know yes. you should be using but uh -huh. sometimes and one really good technique um, Elaine is that generally when we get into conflict we start to blame the other person what they've done what they haven't done and if you start to think about I'm going to remove myself from that and I'm going to talk about this is what happened and this is how I felt so you're taking away the blame of the other person and they're able to sit with that better because they're able to, to start to listen to this is how you actually felt in that conflict. So it's kind of taking the sting out of it as such. So this is how I felt and this is what I need from you. And in the future, this is what I would like you to do. 
So you can see it's a very different approach. So when you speak about removing yourself, it's not necessarily I'm just cutting out this person. I'm not, I'm not going to engage in this conversation mm-hmm. at all because, you know, I imagine people are in conflict because they can't just turn away from these conversations. Yeah. It might be a family member. It might be their mm-hmm. partner. It might be someone that they work very closely mm-hmm. with. Um, so removing yourself is more just kind of taking a bit of a distance. From it's yes, it's removing your yourself from entering into the conflict. Okay. Um, and if they say something to you, do you retaliate? You know, what do you say? So instead of moving into that, move towards this is what you did and this is what how I felt, this is what it made me feel and this is what I would like from you in the future. So you're removing yourself from that progression of conflict, mm-hmm. but you're staying in the in the communication with the person, but you're 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 using a very different perspective and way of managing that. And we spoke a bit about um you you've worked as a mediator obviously and that is probably the ideal if people are in conflict and they really can't get out of it themselves for them together to mm-hmm. come together with a mediator and try to resolve things that way. I imagine that's not always possible for some people. They probably can't get the other person yeah. to, to come into that. So mm-hmm. is it possible in one-on-one coaching and learning the techniques that you know about to draw someone into that more productive space of, yeah. of having you know a dispute or an argument? Yeah. Ideally, if both people can come together, Elaine, mm-hmm. that is the better option um, where they're both willing um, and able to enter into mediation and to listen to each other and reach agreements. Um, but if the other person's not willing, then the other person can come into conflict coaching. Um, and that's, as I said, where they can talk about the situation from their perspective. And um, we open up conversations for they to look at the other person's perspective and maybe other people who are involved from the periphery as well. Um, for example, if it's a, a workplace um, conflict. Um, and then we we um, ask them to think about um, what what is it that you can change? What other techniques or strategies could we use here? Um, and sometimes it's about them changing their behaviour and their approach to the conflict. So by doing that, they're taking those techniques into that environment when they're next in contact with that person and they're taking that different approach. Um, and they're also putting boundaries in place also to make sure that they feel safe when they're having those conversations. Um, and again, it's going back to what I'd said earlier, that respectful and calm conversation. Um, and if it's not that, then making sure that you have your boundaries in place just to manage that. And presumably, if you are able to master this, it'll just be better for your own stress and well-being yeah. overall that you don't constantly get worked up and mm-hmm. have these kind of, you know, feelings that can bleed into the rest of your life because of this mm-hmm. conflict with one person. Yeah. And it's about um, having effective communication. You know, that assertive communication is so key. Um, if you're in conflict with someone and if you withdraw, nothing gets resolved and you're both sitting there with those emotions um, related to it. Um, but, you know, if, if someone has been conflicted, conflictual towards you if you're able to be assertive in your communication and have that effective communication where as I said you can say to them this is how you made me feel um, and in future I would ask this of you um, that you're saying I didn't like that so let's find another way for us to have our conversations where they don't become as conflictual. An assertive communication it's not about you know being aggressive and not at all. It's just about holding those boundaries as you explained that you've set out for yourself not getting drawn into things yes. in that kind of aggressive and combative way, but 
you know, setting out your stall and, and keeping to that line as, as much as possible, kind of yeah. advocating for yourself yeah. as well in the conversation. Yeah. So in doing that, you're you're dealing with the conflict um, in the hope that it's going to be resolved. And generally we find that when people come into conflict coaching and they start to look at the whole the conflict from a different perspective and they've kind of looked at how they're managing it and what it is that they've maybe contributed to it as well, then that helps them to, to take on that different approach of um, partnering and saying this is how it made me feel tell me how it made you feel and let's get resolution I suppose again it's a really important thing for us all to remember that you know if you're in conflict with someone if if you feel negative feelings towards them that's probably why you're in conflict with them and it's probably the result of the conflict with them to get through this you are going to have to meet that person in the middle and empathise with them and and try and see things from their perspective at the end of the day and that's why having a third party present is so good Um, you can spend time with a conflict coach you can come and spend time with me and I'll help you talk through that Um, but also if the other person is willing to come into mediation having that mediator there is so um, important um, because the mediator is managing the process you come in with the issues that you want to discuss and the mediator is supporting you with that environment to allow you to have those conversations. And we may put ground rules in place or contracts for how we're going to have our conversations. And that means that the two people that are coming into mediation, they feel safe because the mediator is there to support them. The mediator is with them throughout all the conversations, using their skills to help them to manage their conversations, to go that bit deeper, to get more of an understanding from each other and then to, s- to start to look at what are the options we have here what are the different different scenarios that we can consider that will help us to move forward um, and that's where we talk about as I said earlier negotiating compromising working together in the best interest of resolving that conflict and also thinking about the wider um, um, kind of impact that that has as well, you know, whether it's within family or within the workplace and getting that resolved is so important. Now, you can tell me in your professional opinion if this is true or not, but there's certainly a sense that conflict seems likely, more likely to arise when you've got maybe major occasions like Christmas and family get togethers, uh, maybe weddings and things like that, things that are kind of maybe have a lot of pressure around them and get mm-hmm. a lot of people together. Is that is that true uh, in your opinion? Yeah, yeah, we see we see this all the time, and um, generally after those events are over, then that's when we have people contact us because they just find those periods very stressful. So take for example Christmas, um, people are getting excited, um, making arrangements, and maybe there's already stresses there within relationships and conflict there already, and these events naturally create more stress for us, um, and it may be for example a financial stress that people are um, buying in a lot of stuff for Christmas, for food, for presents, and they're putting themselves under financial stress. And um, maybe there's been historical conflict within the family and they're arranging to bring family together. Um, and then you know, things like maybe taking some alcohol or drugs and putting that into the, the scenario. People lose their inhibitions and things are said that should have been left so there's a whole mixture of things that will mean that those particular events can become very difficult for people and there's also people that maybe have things that happened um in past on past events that um when christmas comes around again it's a trigger for them so we really need to think ahead 
we need to plan how we're going to manage everything. We need to, whoever we're doing it with, we need to have really open communication around how are we going to do this, how are we going to manage it. So all that preparation in advance is going to take away from natural stress over those few days. Um, because what we find is that we get a lot of calls from people wanting to come into mediation because maybe, for example, the relationship has broken down or um, they want um, family to come together for mediation because the relationships haven't broken down. Um, so it's around thinking ahead um, and making sure that those things don't happen as much as possible. So that it doesn't come to a head and then you're kind of post-breakdown yeah. then having to come yeah. into the, to see yeah. a person like yourself. Yeah. Um, there are, like, there's obviously a lot of factors, as you said, there that can contribute to this, but there seems to also be an element of expectation and having certain expectations that you're maybe too relied upon and then when they're not met and your disappointment then co- maybe causes some conflict, is that something that maybe some something mm-hmm. that we can look at ourselves mm-hmm. in terms of like, was I expecting too much? Did I put too much pressure on this occasion? And that's where some of the stress and then the conflict came from. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Christmas is such a big event and society tells us it's a big event and, you know, all the materialistic side of it and you're know, buying the presents, getting lots of food in and having our Christmas dinner. And, you know, that, that is such a big expecta- expectation that people put on themselves then. Um, and it is about taking a step back at that early stage and thinking, what is it that I can actually manage here? How are we going to get through this period where we can have a good Christmas, um, where we can enjoy being together and we know that we have strategies in place for, for um, how we're going to manage it. So it's that forward thinking rather than just moving into it and trying to rescue um, conversations then as we go through and obviously, I'm sure a key word in a lot of the work that you do is compromise. Yeah. Um, and we can, we already talked about having to see things from another person's point of view, even if they're, you know, a person that maybe you don't agree with and, and aren't fully aligned with. Um, and I suppose it's the same with the expectations as well. Sometimes you're going to need to compromise on what you want mm-hmm. and to give someone a little bit more of what they want in order to, to reach a, a productive relationship with them. Yes. Yes, most definitely. And what you tend to find comes up is that people make assumptions. They don't have conversations, but they assume the other person's going to do something for them over Christmas or assume that they're going to be as fully involved or that they're going to get some of the presents. And there's a lot of assumptions made. And then when those when those are not communicated or not discussed, then one person is disappointed because the other person hasn't done what they thought they were going to do. So again, we're back to effective communication, Elaine. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's it's such an important skill, but I yeah. think it's something that people don't really think about too often. Uh-huh. It's not something that they exercise like they would their body yes. <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. Um, are there things that uh, people can do now to maybe start thinking about how they communicate, uh, thinking about what their style is and looking mm. towards improvement? Is there any kind of, not a quick fix or anything like that, but yeah. maybe a first step? Yeah, well, I would say first step is educate yourself. And I do a lot of work around educating around, um, as I said earlier, communication style, your conflict styles. When you have that basic understanding, it helps you think about how do I communicate myself? Um, So then you take responsibility for your own communication um, and then it changes how you actually communicate with the other person um, and they will they will see how you're communicating to them and then the hope is that they'll be able to reciprocate that um, and again we go back to putting boundaries in place if that other person's not able to do that. Yeah. 
Brilliant advice. Uh, it's been such an illuminating conversation with you today, Davina. I've learned so much myself. I hope everyone who listens learns a lot as well. Uh, if they want to find out more about you and the work that you do, they can find that at your website, relationshipconflictresolution.co.uk. Uh, you're Davina Clemens on LinkedIn and on Instagram at relationshipconflictresolutions. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you for having me, Elliot.